Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast, episode 68. I'm your host, Carson Tamar. We have a very weird selection of movies, some very weird just things happening in general with this episode, but that's okay. Um, I am joined today once again by Alina Falls. How are you doing, Alina? Hey, I'm I'm good. I'm tired. Had a lot going on. I just came back from Brampton. I was visiting my cousins because, you know, there's always a freaking birthday happening. Had a barbecue. Got a massage this morning. And ever since said massage, I've just been like in a lull of like peace. So I don't know. I'd love to have a nap right now, but I don't want to ruin my sleep for the night. Um, not much has been going on with me other than that. So how are you guys? <laughs> Fair enough. I know I'm doing good myself. Let's see how our, the third man is doing. Alina or that Paul, you're here. Paul Price. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. Um, I've got selected for jury duty. I know everyone was very curious about that from my casual mention last week. Yeah, I actually did get selected. I am juror number two. Um, apparently... When the case finishes September 15th, I'm allowed to just <laughs> tell people exactly what happens um, in the case. Um, but uh, I was at brunch this morning and it ran too long. So I am uh, podcasting from the car, <laughs> which is very <laughs> professional and very high quality. Um, let's be clear I uh, we offered to push it back and Paul insisted so and it, he will be getting home during the recording so that's good at least um yeah so <laughs> any I mean anything else you want to say I guess about your recording state <sighs> no this is fine I mean it's literally it's literally not a big deal um but yeah uh, jury duty is just wearing me out and uh it's very interesting to like get home and try to watch the same movies that I like vibed with before um, like the Fantasia, for uh, example, which were like, oh yeah, weird movies. I don't mind sitting and just like chilling. And now they're like literal hell to me um, just because I'm sitting all day staring at, you know, something that I don't really understand in the case. So it's just interesting how different it is to go from like quarantine to full on like nine to five work days. I feel that. I feel that fully. It is painful. Um so, but, you know, let's get into the films because there was a film I think you mentioned. You are mentioning that you have some trouble with films. There's one movie on our list that I know you're not particularly a big fan of, which is Annette. I believe the quote after you walked out of it was that it's the worst movie you've ever seen in your life. So it, it, you I can start cinema. off, I guess. Okay. Um, so I like weird shit. Um, uh, when it was my birthday and I could recommend any movie I wanted, I chose Cook Thief's Wife Lover. Um, like, I have no problems with, like, weird movies and, like, doing things that are just, like, off the wall. Um, but it has to be off the wall in a belief that the creator doesn't really know how weird it is. You're sitting there and watching, and it's by the same, the Sparks uh, or I think it's just Sparks is the band. It's the Sparks Brothers with the um, documentary we watched earlier this year. And I just think they're hacks. And I found the entire film just to be really boring and overwrought with truly some of the worst music I've ever heard. Um, yeah, it was the most hellish experience I've had in a while. <laughs> 
See, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to this based off the mixed reviews at Cannes and with the Sparks Brothers. Even though I think the documentary is okay, not necessarily a big fan of their music. Um, I ended up, I think I'm going to be the most positive on the podcast today about this. As you mentioned, it's very strange. Feels a little empty at times. Um, I will fully you know, say that. I think it really struggles to find its purpose. But there was something about it as like a modern fairy tale that's just like this weird story that I had at least enough fun with to where I think it's like watchable. Um, the songs are not that memorable, but the aesthetic, especially that boat scene, fantastic. Wish the rest of the movie was like that. That is very my aesthetic of being just like this weird craft. But I think the visuals overall worked. Like there's this weird wooden kid and like the CGI is horrible in this film, but like it's charming. Like it's not good per se, but I had fun with it, which I think is enough for me to justify the movie, even though it's way too long. Let's be clear at like two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm really happy that I wasn't the one like to like this because I feel like my motto on this podcast is saying, I don't know, I liked it to like everybody's negative criticism of like dumbass movies. But yeah, I'm in like the Paul camp on this movie. Like, Jesus Christ, I can't. I like, I feel like it's a known fact about me that I hate musicals except for Mamma Mia 2. Like, and this, like, and that proved to be no exception. Like, the songs in this are so awful. Not one of them are good. And, like, the even, like, the lyrics are so bad. Like, they're just really basic lyrics. Like, that freaking song, when they are just, like, repeating, we love each other so much, I was like, fuck off. There's no reason for this to be going on as long as it does. Um, I thought Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard were, like, fine. But, like, there was no reason for this to be like going on as long as it did I hated the like demon Chucky baby it freaked me out um why the fuck was this two hours and 20 minutes long I thought like Marianne Cotillard as like the opera singer was like good but like Adam Driver as a freaking stand-up comedian dumb those two scenes in particular when he like does stand up are not even funny and I feel like they were trying to be funny and I just like I can't I hated it like the, it does have good visuals that is like the only nice thing I can say about it because like there's I don't understand this movie I really don't see I disagree I don't think it's comedic sets were supposed to be funny I think they were supposed to be bad um and they were fucking horrendous very similar to Bo Burnham got major Bo Burnham vibes from it where everyone thought they were so funny and I was like well it's not really good at all um no offense mm-hmm. to the Bo Burnham community but like I see I don't think that was supposed to be funny I think this film is way more tongue-in-cheek than people are giving it credit for and maybe that's me giving it too much credit but like I it don't is. think it it's is. supposed to be good okay I, and I can tell you exactly why I think you're giving it too much credit is the opening line where they're like don't uh laugh or cry or fart in fact, hold a breath the entire film. That to me is like the level of tongue in cheek we're talking about here, where it's like, this is like, it's the self-deprecating kind of like, we are doing high art that actually isn't high art. Um, and it's like, I, I really struggled with this movie. Um, a, a little backstory. Um, I had like a really shitty day. Um, I had to uh, do some babysitting. 
Um, and usually I'd, I'm fine with babysitting, but this was a new group and it just wasn't working for me. And then um, my friend was like, hey, can you pick me up in WeHo and drive me all the way to the, which is um, about 45 minutes away from where I was, and then pick me up with some furniture, drive me 45 minutes to the Ikea, drop it off, and then um, I'll drive home. And then my other friend, while I'm driving, goes, hey, I bought us tickets to Annette tonight. And I was like, I don't want to see Annette. I have no interest in Annette. This was before we'd announced it on the pod. Um, and he was like, no, 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 we're doing it. And uh, I already bought us tickets. So my whole day was just like busy and annoying. And then I sat down to this movie. And uh, actually the song that you already mentioned, Alina, uh, We Love Each Other. But then followed by, I want to say it was almost directly, um, I'm an Accompanist, which I think is maybe one of the worst songs of all time was just like a back-to-back, just hellish experience for me. And my friend at one point was like, you're gonna leave, aren't you? And I was like, I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't walk out of movies, but this day followed by this movie, I was like, this is truly what I imagine, like, you know, one of the rings of hell is. (laughs) Well, let me propose a question to both of you as you both hate it. What about this film? And I'm not saying there's any logic. No, you didn't even hear my question. Because there's quite a bit of people who love this movie, but not just love this movie, but are like, oh, it's totally getting a Best Picture nomination. It's totally That's getting in for fucked. actors and screenplay. Delusional. And it's like, even if you Delusional. like the film, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, is there anything in here that you could even point to that's like, you can see their logic? Because I can't. This is, this is no. two sides of the... Yeah, I know. But this is two sides of the same coin that I saw with The Green Knight. Um, which they know will have like different people, but the same type of thing of just, it's weird, it's new. I guess that makes it a best picture worthy film. Um, But taking both of those and then using something like Nine Days, which I saw people like kind of dismiss as being like boring. I just don't know what people are looking for right now, honestly. Um, It feels like a noble failure all of a sudden is like, a fine substitution for best picture when uh, you know to me best picture should be the film that is best not like the one that like tried something and failed but honestly i don't think they failed with this i just think it's bad like i think this is the highest quality that something with the sparks brothers could be um you know the, so it just seems to be like a overreaction almost to be like oh, you know, this is high art and people don't understand it. I got it. I got what they yeah. were saying. I just think it's bad. I mean, it's a very um, straightforward story to be very fair. Like, it's just a modern fairy tale. Like, it's really easy to understand and the message is very simple. Um, that's, I mean, that's just how I see it. I don't really get how people can be like, oh, it's so deep or anything. Like, it's not, you know. I think it's, uh, I've, I've read a lot of people say it's um, a darker La La Land um which is just silly because it's not um <laughs> it has nothing like it, the only piece that's like this in la la land is that they're musicals musical yeah. set in la with like i mean it does have a big la vibe um, to a at point the beginning. yeah um and then all of a sudden it does feel very like foreign film um 
yeah, I don't know. The, <laughs> like, I will say I think Adam Driver's fine at it. Like, I don't think Adam Driver's like no, incredible, no, 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 but he's no, 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 good. He is terrible. He is one of the things that sinks the oh. film because no, I yeah. Wait, which side are you on, Alina? <laughs> he wasn't. He he wasn't like bad, but I wouldn't say he was like great. I no, think I like Mary Cotillard was way better than he was. I agree. Yeah. What when uh when Marianne's character gets sidelined a little bit um in the film and it becomes more about him is when the film I felt like just went off the rails um uh, there's one song about all the girls um all the girls I see look so great to me or whatever the fuck he's saying is so bad and it feels like because he's a one of my friends who I saw it with who liked it um after I got out of this movie with my friend um he looked at me and he was like well that's camp like cats and I was like I literally lost my goddamn mind because I'm like no camp is misunderstanding what art is so much that it becomes humorous this wanted to be funny there's so many jokes in this that are just bad and flat and you're like oh no it's supposed to be like you know, it's funny because they're such a bad joke. Exactly what you said, Carson. Um, his singing too. Um, you know, I bet, I would imagine a lot of people are like, oh, he's a bad singer on purpose because he's not supposed to be talented within the story. No, that doesn't work. Like, that's not what comes off. It just, it just makes it, oh, he's a bad singer and I have to listen to him sing 20 songs. I have no clue how many times <laughs> he sings. But it's at least like 50 to 70% of this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I mean, and I totally get how you could like this. Um, you know, not being born with any sort of taste. Or, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> the camp <laughs> aspect, I think, is there. But watching the Sparks documentary, I think you know that they know when they're trying to be campy. And so I felt this uh, forced um forced like a comedy like it's purposely bad in a way that like doesn't feel authentic uh compared to something like john waters who knows what makes things campy it also doesn't Um, help if you've seen that documentary that you've heard them before because it all sounds exactly the same with peace and love to them like it just like you can easily like the same flow the same rhythm even if some of the sounds are switched like you can immediately identify it and you immediately know what to expect from every song and every song doesn't break that pattern and i will say like you know i i will preface with i have a real problem with songs that do that kind of like repetitive uh, though we love each other, but the thing is, every single one of their songs in this entire musical is them just singing the same line again and again and again. And that, to me, is like a drill into my brain. By the end, um, when it got to "Baby a Nut," "Baby a Nut," I was like, I had a headache, full-on headache. Fair enough. The last thing I'll say is I do wish it was more crazy. Moulin Rouge, I think I recommended it on the podcast earlier this year when I was doing my 2001 retrospective. But like that film is balls to the wall amazing when it comes to aesthetic and tone and just fully going for it. And I feel like Annette, you have a few scenes 
not like it. It's different, obviously, but to the same kind of idea. I just wish the whole film was. I feel like in this film, if you would have turned, it's like maybe at a six, let's say now, if you would have turned it to 10, I think I would have switched to where like, I fully really like this film. I, I agree. And I, you know, you were talking about the boat scene. The boat scene is the best visual scene in the movie. I think it's one of the worst songs. But mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, stylistically, you know, uh, I have no clue how to say the director's name, but I, oh, the Holy Motors director. I've seen Holy Motors. I know that he does like weird different styles, but Holy Motors allows for that. This was a consistent story and it just felt um, uh, incomplete. When you got to that gorgeous, you know, boat sequence and then you cut back to like, oh, we're in this fucking apartment again um, with the levitating baby. I was just like, I don't care. Um, I also feel like, you know, to your point earlier, Carson, it is way too long. This was an hour and a half. I might have put up with their bullshit a little bit more, but. (laughs) Um, The last thing I want to say is like, the things I heard the most of Annette coming out of can was about the like Adam Driver eating pussy scenes. So I was very looking forward to seeing these so-called Adam Driver eating pussy scenes because apparently he's singing during them. And I was like, that's a huge letdown, honestly. I was expecting like camp and it was literally just him eating pussy to the We Love Each Other song. And I was like, fuck off, I'm disappointed. That was like the one thing I was looking forward to with this movie. And I was let down, so. Oh, um, uh, yeah, mild spoiler as well. Um, everyone mentioned that Baby Annette is a, uh, a marionette, which also when I figured out that it's marionette and that's why it's called Annette, really just- Fuck off. Well. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. When I, uh, when I did that, like, I said it to one of my friends and I was just like, you know, it's like a marionette named Annette. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they reveal- This is my face the... right now. <laughs> Total annoyance. Um, yeah. Uh, so when they revealed this like horrifying clown baby, I was like, oh, I am so back in. Uh, you guys got me. And then it turns out that's a dream sequence and that's not how Annette looks. And Annette is both weird to an uncomfortable extent and also boring. Like if it had been that creepy ass clown the entire time, I would have been so down for like, this is like exactly your point, Carson. That's a 10. If you had the baby like just looking full on psychotic, but like it's so realistic that it feels like honestly, probably what it is. We couldn't get a toddler to do any of these sequences. So we just put a fucking, you know, puppet in and for its place. Um, it's the most boring yeah, answer. I, Even like Pinocchio last year, I don't know if either of you saw it, it was nominated at the Oscars, but like that at least like it was creepy horrible. Italian it was one? creepy as hell, yes. But like, at least yeah, that was it. interesting visually. Like this is the most boring option I feel like you could have picked for what should yeah. be such a crazy piece of the puzzle. Also, we'll say quickly without getting into spoilers, there's something they do at the end with one of the big scenes with Baby Annette. Hated it. Hated it to like screamed at the TV. Hated it. Uh, when she visits. Are we talking? Him. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about the uh, Super Bowl and the Super Bowl. Would Super Bowl was like where I was like, are we watching Parks and Rec? Like, yeah. what is happening here? And the it visuals felt- in the Super Bowl are like genuinely some of the worst. Like, it looks childish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie like gets. It feels like they ran out of budget and also uh, uh, creativity. <laughs> like as the movie went on, like the opening yeah. scene, um, I think is the best song. Uh, uh, May we start? But also, it makes no sense with the storyline. Um, like I went and re-listened to May we start after, because um, one of my friends uh, who didn't see the movie with me was like, the movie couldn't be that bad. And I played a couple songs for, her and she's like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. And I was like, yeah, just imagine, like, also, like, there's this awful, like, puppet demon that's, like, chasing around (laughs) the entire storyline. But, yes, the final scene is particularly bad as well. The whole, like, the moral of the story feels very, um, like, uh, what do you call it, haze code? Like, you know, like, where the villain can do stuff, but he's got to be punished in a very obvious way and show that he's the villain. There's no, um, there's no layers of ambiguity. And then uh, there's a rebuke of Marion Cotillard's character in the final scene, which I thought was batshit, honestly. Um, yeah, that didn't from, make any sense to me. It really it didn't. Came from, yeah, it came from Annette. And like, watching the Sparks documentary, I got some like, I don't want to say like misogynistic vibes, but like misogynistic vibes from them. And like this movie ends with my mother who was not treated right, (laughs) deserved what she got and also ruined my life was insane. (laughs) It's one of the weirdest moments that whole film. Uh, I mean, the entire story ultimately kind of in some way glorifies this man who I'm not going to spoil fully, but it's not a good guy. We know very clearly he's a horrible person, really. And the entire film's just kind of spent like getting to know him, really getting to know like his desires and his emotions. And it does feel kind of dirty in that sense. So I don't even think like it's trying to be dirty. I don't think it's trying to be problematic. I just think it's very lackluster when it comes to message and focus. So like they kind of wander into this character, but have no intention to actually like do anything with him. So he just kind of sits there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys got the same vibe, but you said Bo Burnham. I got Russell Brand and Katy Perry. That was like the vibe I got from this relationship. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys were old enough for like their like whole implosion of their relationship, but he was like the stand. Do you not think I watched girl. Katy Perry part of me in theaters I, where she cries I, <laughs> as she sings, not like the movies the day they broke up on stage? Come yes, on, Paul. That's what I mean. Um, yeah, no, I think that like, and the thing is, they're LA, and that was a very LA thing that happened. And I just feel like they kind of took some of that. Um, uh, you know, he does feel like very of that group. Also, the long hair. I just got Russell Brand vibes the entire time. And I was like, I wonder if they just kind of stole his shtick. Uh, I feel like Russell you know, Brand is funnier, though. Yeah, well, I think they thought that was funny. I mean, honestly, I yeah. disagree with you a little bit, Carson, there, where I do think that, uh, I don't know who wrote it. Was it the Sparks or was it? 
I think it was the uh, director. Let me check. Because I know Sparks wrote the songs, but not like... The... I know it's their story, but I didn't know who wrote everything. Uh, it was a story by Ron Mail and Russell. The Yeah, the Sparks wrote it. Or no, yeah, the okay. Sparks and the director co-wrote it. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, it definitely feels like the Sparks, uh, that Sparks thought these jokes were funny. And I... Yeah, like, I really thought that they were taking it, like, seriously in the sense that, like, they thought it was funny, especially since, like, the audience is laughing. And I was like, why the fuck is the audience laughing? Right. <laughs> well, and the thing is, there is a stylistic, they're both bad, but there is a stylistic opening act that they're supposed to find funny, and the second act, which they don't. Oh, and a side note on that, what he says is so tame. Uh, this is not a spoiler. He basically says, like, I killed my wife by tickling her. And it's like the stand-up act. And everyone's disgusted by the joke. And I was like, really? This is what you, you're, like, upset about? He's like, <laughs> his previous act was worse in terms of, like, any sort of aspect that you're going to talk about. So it's such a weird choice for them to be like, yes, yes, this is what uh, we're upset about. This is, uh, we're going to boo you off the stage. Although that also had my favorite part of the entire movie where um, they introduced him having this like stand-up or this uh, uh, kind of like uh, Greek choir behind him who tells people to laugh and then they try that again and it doesn't work. I thought that was clever. I will say like there were moments that I was like, that's cool. But uh, so much of it I just felt like was just uh, wading through shit to find a couple gold nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I find it hard to argue. I definitely understand if someone didn't like the film. I don't know. I, I don't even think you would really stand by the claim of, like, the worst movie you've ever seen. But, like, I, I get that you didn't Oh, no, like no, 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 no. No, I, see, I will stand by that because I... So, Nomadland's better. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. The thing is... Nomadland kind of fans, we I... keep winning. <laughs> <laughs> We won Best Picture. We won Not the Worst Movie Falls Ever Seen. I mean, honestly. Uh, no, uh, no I'll, I'll just say because, like, those movies, uh, there's been a thing on Twitter recently that a lot of people are getting up that are like, just because you didn't like a movie doesn't mean it's bad. 100% agree. This, I think, is bad. I don't think it, I didn't get it. I think I got it. Green Knight, I did not get. I understand that there's something that I just don't understand. This is just, like, no yeah well fair enough um why don't we move on to a more positive subject at least i hope it's positive annette got very mixed to negative reviews there was a film this week that got stellar reviews i mean genuinely some of the best this year and that my friends is paw patrol the movie um for some reason this movie got just incredible reviews people calling it amazing so of course we had to cover paw patrol the movie on the podcast and um it's kind of good Alina, why don't you start us off for Paw Patrol, the movie? Okay, so um, as a 24-year-old woman with no children, I have not ever seen Paw Patrol in my life because, you know, that would kind of be insane if I had seen Paw Patrol. Um, but, like, I know my little nephew, who is about to turn three, is, like, fucking obsessed with Paw Patrol. And also, it's, like, from Canada. So I was like, okay, like, I'm not mad that we're doing Paw Patrol on the podcast. Like, I like kids' movies. And, like, so I sat down to watch this on, like, a Friday night, and I'm just, like, vibing and don't know a damn thing about what's going on, because, like, all I know is that they're, like, puppies who rescue people, and I'm like, okay, 
And then I sit down and watch this movie about puppies rescuing people. And it is so simple, but it's so damn cute and like endearing. And I actually like, I can't remember any of the jokes right now because honestly I'm fucking exhausted. But I remember I was like chuckling quite a bit on like Friday night. And I thought that it told like a really sweet message about like um, dealing with anxiety, especially because like most of the movie was focused on like Chase, the police dog, and he's like, uh, um, he's just like suddenly feeling like he can't do his like job properly and he's just getting like really anxious. And I, I think it's really sweet that like kids media is like showing things like that now. So I don't know, I just had a really sweet time with it. The animation was great too. And I really liked all the characters. The only thing I wish they had like done more was like, I wish like all of the characters had been fleshed out because like, I have not seen like all six seasons or however many there are of Paw Patrol. And like, I, par- I was reading the Wikipedia cause I'm insane. And apparently like each episode is like focused on like a different dog. So I feel like they kind of did the same thing for the movie, but like, I have not seen Paw Patrol. So I wish like Sky dog and like the construction dog and whatever had like more time to like do stuff. And like even the fire dog, cause it was mainly like Chase and then the new dog that gets introduced. Like that's my only complaint is I wanted more character depth. Yeah, I cried during this movie, not gonna lie. Uh, might've been cause I was <laughs> under the influence of some stuff, but like this movie, it's not amazing or anything. It's very paint by numbers when it comes to like story and like it's predictable. But the heart here, I thought was really quite powerful with Chase and him dealing with his anxieties and dealing with his fears and like the overcoming of that really like captivated me for some reason. Again, don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything, but like the animation is solid. The shot composition, especially there are some like legitimately gorgeous framed scenes and like I don't know, there was something about this one where like, especially for a kid's movie, and I don't really like kid's movies. I went to Spirit Untamed for a Taylor Swift song that was in it. So like, I've seen some of the shitty ones this year. I've not seen Boss Baby 2 yet, but like there was something here that was like, clearly this is elevated than what this genre normally is and what it could have been. For kids, this is great. And I think for adults, there's enough here to where it is watchable um and you know it's not just like a bland watch it's a little bit above that for adults but for kids especially I think this is like really solid so I was really also impressed by this film I don't care for the new characters I I don't know who is new and who's not because also I have not seen Paw Patrol um I didn't like Lily I think no Liberty whichever one was Lily Liberty. Liberty Liberty not a fan of her um but I I did enjoy the film overall I have to admit Quality is probably better. I am back at home at this point. Um, okay. Yeah, so um, I take care of kids, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, unrelated to this. Um, and those kids do like Paw Patrol. But I will tell you, as someone who has watched the Paw Patrol show, it's not particularly good. <laughs> it's, it's one of those shows where... Um, they're like, oh, this cat's stuck in this tree. I guess we should use this piece of equipment that Marshall has to save them from the tree. Well, that was easy. The end. Um, there's no like stakes at all. And it's not particularly funny. And it's kind of just like dumb. Well, it's, uh, it's like for toddlers, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's like a little, little kids. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So 
but this show's been around for, I want to say it's on its eighth or ninth season. I want to say eighth. Um, Mm -hmm. So these kids have now grown up. So it does make sense to make a show that's like or uh, the movie version to be a little bit more adult. But when these reviews started coming out and they were like, this movie's actually good. Um, across the board, they all said the show's bad, the movie's good. And so I was like, well, this will be fun. And so I watched with my my own Paw Patrol, Arrow, and uh, I, I did really like it. I think that the villain, who is very annoying in the show, is very funny here. Um, yeah. It does, it does seem like he's not, you know, um, in the in the show he's much more like i hate those paw patrol this he's like just like kind of a goober who just like keeps screwing up things that they have to fix um he was very camp i think (laughs) yeah when he's constantly like we're celebrating me i was like me all of july (laughs) my birthday month i was like yep i've done this (laughs) this whole celebration of me (laughs) but yeah i just i had nothing against it like I can't even think of a moment where I was like, uh, to your point, Carson, uh, adding Liberty, I think makes sense because it just gave something that's not them. And also they do need like new blood in the Paw Patrol. So I'm fine with her being added. Um, I am a little worried though. The actress who plays Liberty is too big a deal to stay on the show. Um, she's, she's like kind of a, a thing right now she's um from blackish she was in a couple movies last year um so i feel like she might just be one of those people like um mr pig is only from the movie yeah like mr pig okay. from uh uh simpsons movie where he like only mm. shows up in one every like 200th episode yeah okay so when i was reading the pop patrol wikipedia I saw that they change like voice actors all the time. So I feel like little kids are too stupid to notice that. I think, I think also it's uh, very based on uh, taglines and like catchphrases. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, that kind of stuff doesn't particularly bother you as much if you're like, you know, Chase is on the case. And it's said by like <laughs> nine different people is still going to be like, Chase is on the case. It's like, you get that part. Um, yeah because i have watched the show and i have i didn't really notice a difference um and, oh also so paul is also too stupid the kids are and paul is also <laughs> yes <laughs> i am too much of an well okay you just so get like, lost when chase goes chase is on the case it yeah. doesn't matter like who cares you know <laughs> i'm like all right cop dog let's do this <laughs> um so well, it's kind of similar to when I was a little kid. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched this, but Mystery Science Theater. Um, no. When I was a kid, there were like episodes I liked and episodes I didn't, and I didn't know why. And then I got older and I realized that there are two hosts and it switches halfway. Um, and whenever it was the original host, Joel, I didn't like them. And whenever it was Mike, I was like, yes, this is fantastic. Um, anyone who likes Joel, by the way, has bad taste. Um, he's not funny. He's never been funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, uh, that's probably going to be my recommendation for this week is go watch the mystery science. So get ready for that. Um, but yeah, um, it reminds me of that Alina where it's like little kids aren't going to notice, but if you probably go back and like jump around, you'll be like, Oh, this voice actor 
isn't the same. But mm-hmm. yeah, the movie is completely different. Um, the little kid who plays young Sheldon is Chase. Oh, really? Cute. I've never watched that show. That's the big bang that it's been off, right? Yeah. God, I can't believe that exists. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's a... That's the thing that was kind of surprising is these are like like some of the people they recast are like bigger names. Um, oh, elephant in the room, though. Uh, we have not mentioned uh, the former Mrs. Kanye West playing a poodle. Still, still Miss West. Let's be very clear. <laughs> sure. She she went to the I, she went to the listening event and she was fully supportive. So like, <laughs> it seems like they're together. Also, Donna's not. They're not for anyone together. She's but... just. She, there's no way Kim and Kanye are back together. Fuck off. No, they she's are. Not that she posted stupid. a whole. No, she got a custom Balenciaga just to go to the listening event after yeah, he lived in a stadium his... for two that's, weeks. That's you know? just her being a supportive ex-wife and baby. No, mama. no. Yes, no, yes. No, no yes. absolutely. And, but incorrect. Uh, yeah. So um, okay, okay. You know, we'll see how this ages. I feel like it's gonna age well okay. for me. <laughs> um, I will say that um, I thought that Kim Kardashian was Liberty because I'd heard that she was in this and she was the new dog, and I was like, this she's doing pretty good voice acting, and then all of a sudden this poodle shows up and I was like, oh, there she is. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't sound like her at all. She's like doing some vocal work. It's very impressive. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay. There's there's the sexy dog. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but overall, I just enjoyed this. Um, I think it's like, <laughs> okay, here's me being controversial. Um, I think it's better than something like Soul. <laughs> <laughs> What? Oh my uh, god, I love you. Really, just say Paw Patrol uh, the movie is better than Soul? Yes, and I will stick yes. with that because I think that Soul is pretentious, and Paw Patrol knows exactly what it is. And I enjoyed myself more with Paw Patrol. But Luke is better than Paw Patrol, right? No. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> no. Pixar. Carson, here's uh, your clip for the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no 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 but like here's the thing um currently i have not seen crypto zoo and i have not seen um uh flea but i will say if i was a voting member of the oscars right now i think i would choose paw patrol and i don't want to say that but like i think it's the best animated movie of the year so far uh, you're everything- right and you should say it <laughs> This is, without a doubt, the worst take on the history of the podcast. <laughs> but I will uh, say you haven't wait, seen wait, wait, Flea Carson. yet. Flea is, Carson. you'll like Flea better, I feel. Carson, you did just say that Annette was a good film, so I think that that was our... And I, you know what? I look like a fucking genius over here compared to you with that take. Uh, no. No, I... Uh... Paw Patrol the movie is the best animated film of the year, you said. Yes, and I will stick with that. Um, you know, if we were going to be like one of those people who was like, oh, Lego movie, so great. Like, then anything can be like a good movie. And I like Do you Pop not Drop. like Lego movie? I... No, I don't like Lego movie. Oh, God. I just I like found Lego movie. Yeah. it was fine. It was fine. But I also just, I'm not a Chris Pratt fan, which is why it was weird well, that I like Tomorrow War. Um, but 
I liked I liked Paw Patrol the movie. And I like I was watching it with my phone off, just watching Same. the movie. And then it finished. And I was like, I watched Paw Patrol. <laughs> there was no like looking away. Um, and we're about to talk about a movie that I uh, spent my entire time on the phone, um, just like wanting to die. Um, so I also watched those two back to back with the movie we're about to talk to about and then Paw Patrol. And it was such a breath of fresh air to watch these, you know, fascist dogs. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Paw Patrol is in my lineup for best animated feature right now. It is one, let's say one, two... I believe it's number five or number four on my list this year so what far. What else do you have above it? Let's see. I have, hold on. I have CryptoZoo. I have Fair. Luca and I have Flea. So it's number four. <sighs> Definitely. Better. Okay, I like I Luca. That. I'm sorry. Okay. <sighs> Get over it. You also like call me by your it's, name. Okay. So, like, it is absolutely it. more cringe yeah. for you to be like, you can't like any Pixar film than to me to be like, I like Luca. I'm okay. sorry. I cried. I'm gay. Get over it. You okay. Know? I, I, I will ask. I will ask. Uh, which is the gay dog, Carson? Oh my God! No, it was my fa- <laughs> fuck. What? I think it was the green. I think the green colored. He has the, the recycling on his one. Eye. Yeah, the, the recycling one. Pat- one? Yeah. It has a spot on his eye. I my favorite yeah. dog, and he was clearly <laughs> gay. The, to be clear, a lot of these characters, I really was like, oh, they're definitely like a little, you know, fruity. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I I, the uh, girl dog Sky. She has to be a lesbian. Right, she's the only girl. <laughs> Agreed. Also, Chase gave me ma- like it's weird. Chase gave me very gay vibes. Just See, I got, I got, I got like he and the uh, recycling dog would like hook up and then yeah. never talk about it. Yeah, and it'd Chase be, like, would really call him no. Chase would call him a slur in front of the other Paw Patrol, but like yeah. then at night they would go like hook up, definitely. Yeah, but also like recycling dog definitely likes it. So no, he's fine with it. He's fine with it. Wait, wait, wait. I do have one more thought about Paw Patrol. Um, so I also watched this movie with my resident Paw Patrol, but my Paw Patrol is a cat. Um, and like. I'm so tired of the like cats bad dogs good trope. Fuck off. Like the cats that Humdinger has were great, but like my cat is a saint and I'm tired of us perpetuating this stereotype. I'm tired of it. It's rude. Oh, I actually the cats themselves it. were not bad, to be fair. It was um, the owner. Okay, so I, when, I, when I looked up, uh, oh, I was going to say that I did like that it took the stance that all cat people are bastards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all cats are bastards. A cab. But when I went, <laughs> when I went and researched the uh, the cats, apparently at one point they become evil Paw Patrol, and they're all in the different outfits. And I was like, I wish that had been the movie. That would have been so funny. Um, I know it already yeah. been used in the show, but like. Uh, the idea of an evil all cats Paw Patrol is very funny. Um, I'll probably watch <laughs> the Paw Patrol, Patrol now. <laughs> there you go. Here's what I thought. I'm gonna watch the. I, I if I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch any of them. But if I was gonna watch them, I'd watch the older seasons. 
because clearly this is setting up very like Bob the Builder moving out to the countryside. This is opposite. They're moving into the city. And like clearly the show after this is going to be fundamentally different with Liberty. And it's going to take place in the city. Like not interested. Give me the OG. Very similar. Like I said, Bob the Builder. I was so mad when he moved to the countryside and was like recycling. Fuck off. So I, I, don't, I, I would watch I don't the older so. seasons, but not I think after this. I think I think they're going to stay. I think they're going to go back to their main city and then will occasionally come out to Adventure I city. would love if they came out. I think that'd be great for kids' cartoons. I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, when the Winter Glad children Award. In, when, yeah. So, like, when I have children in like five to seven years, I will let them watch Paw Patrol. That's what I learned from this experience because Paw Patrol sucks. Yeah. Um, also, I know it's not time. For, I like that the cat's like, what <laughs> just in the background like <laughs> paw patrol <laughs> um but uh I, I will do a slight recommendation um if you're a parent i don't know how many parents listen to this podcast but uh bluey and also paw patrol are fine you know what and like specifically the movie for paw patrol but all of bluey um i do think children's entertainment is better than we had when we were kids um and I'm glad for them because like you're saying that when Blue's Clues was a thing like Blue's Clues was not particularly good like if you go rewatch old Blue's Clues which I was it it doesn't hold up Blue is great Steve is great everything that happens is a little like okay I like salt and pepper so yeah salt and pepper and And then paprika that was so cute yeah I, I, that episode. I think I agree overall. I mean, I grew up with Compossible, so I really got like, um, shit, like lucky there. I was watching Impossible. I feel like you were you like you weren't kid like you were a little bit older though, right? You're probably like a teenager. yeah. We're we're only like four years apart. No, no, yeah. no. I was like ten when like Impossible okay. was a thing. I, yeah. I remember like being actually little. Loved Compossible. Loved that's a Raven. Like, mm-hmm. did, you know I, what? There was like, you know what? Yeah. There actually was a good. Paul, you're wrong. I, we also are a decade apart, Carson. So like, yeah, well, but still, <laughs> I'm excited for this to win best, uh, maybe best picture. Honestly, <laughs> at least screenplay, I would say. <laughs> best actor for Chase. Um, we can only hope. There was almost a dog nominated the first year, so like you know, maybe it's time to mm-hmm. finally do it. Um, let's move on to a film. I mean, we're questioning if Paw Patrol is going to get Best Picture. I feel like this one's guaranteed to win Best Picture. We have Reminiscence, Lisa Joy's new film starring Hugh Jackman. Um, I'll start us off in the sake of fairness. We all start one. Uh, this movie's terrible. This movie's horrible. Um, it's not good. It's one of the most boring and just like badly made films of the year. I walked in, like it has a fine concept. They're in a futuristic Miami. It's dystopian. They're all nocturnal because the sun is too hot, which also they're all still out during the day and it's a nice breeze. So I really don't get it, but like, whatever. Miami's flooding, but New Orleans is not underwater. FYI, just like, that's kind of crazy. But like, Rahul Jackman works as this man who can do like you go into this tank and you can like revisit and relive your old memories and he met this woman mysteriously and fell in love with her but she disappeared and now he learns that she might be part of a larger conspiracy and like it sounds all interesting but it really is like the blandest thing ever 
it makes no sense. Like this story is genuinely so hard to follow, much less like engage with or form any theories or anything. Goes on for way too long. And just everything in this movie felt really bland with the exception of like, I think Rebecca Ferguson is fine here. And Cliff Curtis, I think is rather okay. Other than that, it's really bland. Like the most fun I had with this film was the small like jokes I made of like, oh, it's like The Greatest Showman, which there's quite a few scenes that it's like, are you referencing Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman? Because like, it's weird that it's just Greatest Showman for a little bit. Um, but yeah, this film did not did not do it for me, sis. Uh, this is the only film this year I left midway through to go to the bathroom. And it's not because I needed to go to the bathroom. I just like wanted a break and I had to text Paul like it's not good. Um, so I really pulled what Paul did with the green knight here, but that's me. Uh, Paul, I believe you're the only other one here this week to see it. Did reminiscence leave a better memory in your head than it did mine? Okay. So, um, jury duty all week. It's Friday night. I know I need to watch this movie. So I convinced the family to watch it with me. Uh, meanwhile, while they're debating whether or not they'll watch it with me, I have four tequilas. And so we decide, yeah, we'll watch the movie. They put it on within 20 minutes. I am asleep. And I kept waking up throughout the movie. And every time I'd wake up, I knew what was happening. And I made it through this entire movie. The first time I watched this twice, I made it through the entire movie, understanding every moment of plot. And then when I went and rewatched it sober the whole way through, it was the exact same movie. So me like sleeping through large sections, I didn't miss a single beat. Uh, and I was, I probably watched 15 minutes of the entire film. <laughs> like this film has no plot. And that's my kind of problem with, um, you've never seen Westworld, but Westworld is the same way where it's like, okay, cool. This is really cool. This is a super interesting plot oh, we're going to spend this much time on like love or memory or let's just do some cool things in this amazing world you've built. No? Okay. I guess we'll just not do anything. There's like sequences that I really enjoyed. And then they don't really matter. Um, one of the ones that I'm sure you'll remember, Carson, is the entire fight through the um, sunken uh it's this like sunken music school or like uh, theater or something really cool and then like ultimately nothing matters from that it could have not happened and been fine and i know you could say that about things like john wick or something but there is something like insubstantial about everything that happens in this film the action is also um, it, just not interesting. I'll just quickly point out with that scene. The only good part is when like someone, I'm not going to spoil it, but almost gets drowned with a piano. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a piano drown someone. So like, that was kind of yeah. fun. And then like how they get out of it was just like silly. And uh, yeah. The stupidest, the stupidest, like, well, I shouldn't say that. This There's a lot of stupid things out in the there world. There is but, a like, lot. Very stupid. There's a lot of stupid in this movie. Um, and it also like, I'm not one to be like, this is a direct ripoff of, because I don't think that's ever true. I think like parallel thinking is a real thing. Except Lisa Joy is literally like <laughs> Christopher Nolan's, you know, sister-in-law. And she's like, what if I took that city from the end of Inception and I made an entire world of that? And also 
a lot of this is just going to be Inception. And in fact, the entire movie is just Inception. But what like so I, much worse. did that? <laughs> like, There's no, like, the CGI is terrible. There's no good iconography, which like for sci-fi dystopian movies, like look at Blade Runner, look at the neon aesthetic, look at the big purple woman from Blade Runner 2049 or whatever. Like there's iconic or not, I wouldn't say iconic, but there's solid iconography. And it just, you forget you're in a dystopian world. Because again, most of this is like, they're chilling on a balcony in the summer day with a beautiful breeze. And it's like, well, that's not the world you've set up. It feels like they almost added like this dystopian side of this, like later than you would think in production. Because a lot of it just isn't dystopian. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, And it, you know, there's so many dystopian uh, things that, feel like it just took from uh even like the game bioshock um it's just like there's so many things that are just like oh yeah i have seen this before better um it reminds me of i don't know if you've watched it it's a 1940s noir film laura which is about a guy who falls in love with a dead woman it's that it's there's just constantly things that just feel like not original, just a conglomeration and then does nothing with it, which I think is the big problem with Lisa Joy and uh, Jonathan Nolan is I think in the same way I would feel about Annette is like they get so lost in their own, like, this is really cool. And then never like push themselves to go, yeah, but is it stupid? (laughs) And they get so lost in just sucking their own dicks of like, this is important, what we're saying. Very similar to I Care A Lot from earlier this year, where I was like, I like the film overall. The monologues are terrible. Not only are the monologues like boring as hell in this film, like they will put you to sleep. I get why you fell asleep, Paul. But like, they just say nothing. It's just like very vague ways of saying really irrelevant stuff in a way that is supposed to feel like it's deep, but it's not deep. Like there's no takeaway I feel like one can really take from this film. Like some people are like, oh, it's a deep dive into memory and how memory changes. Like it's not really. Memory is a gimmick here. I agree. But like, that's not the thesis. There's just, this film says nothing, but it presents itself as if it's saying everything, which is very pretentious and very like like unrewarding. Yeah. And I just, even like, you know, you go through and there's so many plot holes in this that it's like almost embarrassing. Um, you know, especially like the tank itself and uh, the burn, which they call like if you have the memory too often or too intensely. I, and they never explain like what that exactly means. Um, but it's just like there's so many things that you're like, but what if? And like they just skip over it. Um it kind of reminds me uh, of, I forgot what it, one second. Carson, maybe you'll remember that Netflix show that just- uh, Describe like it. Alter, altered something. Oh, Altered Carbon. Thank you. It reminds me of that show Altered Carbon um, on Netflix that's like, was a very cool concept. And then they're like, so the concept's cool, right? That's all we got. <laughs> um, and it's just a very frustrating thing that I don't understand why this keeps happening with these kind of shows or shows and movies. It's like, you can't just have a cool concept. There's so many great concepts um, that, you know, you can explore more. 
Um, unrelated, it's similar. Uh, I just read Grady Hendrix's new book. Um, he's like this horror novelist. He's kind of like the heir apparent to someone I would say like uh, Stephen King or something like that. Um, but he does the same thing. He had this new book called uh, Final Girls Support Group, which is all the famous final girls and like uh, similar versions to them, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween and um, the girl from Friday the 13th and the girl from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a really cool concept. And then they just, that's all they do. It's just like a pitch and then they have to finish it. So they're like, I don't know. I have no ideas. It's just the pitch, you know, the very basic one sentence premise. And that's how I felt with this. It's just like across the board, I feel like there's this overall thing in Hollywood where it's like, but wasn't the initial idea cool? It's like, yeah, the initial idea was fantastic. Keep going, like really build this out. Um, it's just really frustrating. Um, Cause I did want to like this. I thought the trailer was really fun and I kept thinking like, oh, this is going to be like a great movie. Um, I, having seen this now i don't understand why this didn't come out mid-pandemic um it should have just dropped like november of last year and just been like here you guys watch it they knew this wasn't going to make any money like <laughs> so no i completely agree especially i mean even about the trailer this is like it's kind of become a meme how this was a trailer in front of everything but like i thought the trailer was pretty okay um, really disappointing final product though. You did mention wanting a film that keeps going past its original premise. I think this is probably a good time to transition over to our final theatrical release uh, this week, which is The Night House, which is a film I know that you, me and you, I don't know if Alina saw this one, but I know we both really no, I appreciated- I forgot to watch this one too. No worries. Um, I, I saw it first. Oh I'll no, I'm off. worried. What? <laughs> I'm worried because this one was oh. fucking great. Yeah, well. Really? Oh, sorry. Maybe, maybe if they would stop making movies over two hours long that are bad, like a net, I would have more time to watch everything because I'm busy. <laughs> this one is only I am, 107 minutes. I am booked I'm just and saying, busy. <laughs> yeah, no. It's if fine. I didn't have a barbecue yesterday, I would have watched everything, but you know, family yeah. first and all that garbage. Mm. So I was the first one to watch this movie, and I'll be fully honest, I didn't want to watch this. All I knew, I knew nothing about this. It got fine reviews at Sundance, which if a movie gets fine reviews at Sundance, normally that means it's terrible. Whatever a movie gets, you have to like kind of cut it in half. If it gets great reviews, typically it ends up being mediocre. If it's mediocre reviews, it tends to be terrible, right? From Sundance specifically, and I guess other film festivals. So all I knew this was a horror movie and I hate horror, been very open about it. I'm a pussy when it comes to jump scares. Um, I will literally shit myself and just cry. So- was not excited for this one, but Paul kept saying, no, we have to do it. We have to do the night house. I want to do it so badly. And I was like, fine. You know what? I like Paul. Don't say I never did anything for Paul. I went to the screening of it. Was... Wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, have to say, I just have to say, the only reason I wanted to watch it is because I believe Rebecca Hall has gotten the short stick of an entire uh, uh, acting career and she deserves an Oscar. And it's very sad that they treat her like a B-lister when she should be high A-list. So. She should, everything Aubrey Plaza ever does. And I love Aubrey, no hate towards her. This movie just proved like, oh, Rebecca Ferguson, or um, sorry, Rebecca Hall should be doing it because she is phenomenal. But 
watched this film and I was blown away. I, it's the best theatrical like experience I've had since the pandemic started. And even then probably since like little women, let's say um, this was incredible. Like it was so the audience, especially I saw this with it was, it was so fun and so like perfect. Um, half the film is, is horror. It's jump scares. Obviously this is the only film I've ever seen in theaters where people were actually like screaming out loud. And I don't think it's anything particularly scary. Like there are definitely some good jump scares in here, but like that perfectly fit. Then the other half of this movie is this really, I don't know if I would say tongue in cheek, but it's definitely more comedic than I thought it would be, especially in the dialogue and especially in the performance by Rebecca Hall. And originally, I think this is a very alienating thing if you don't know what you're getting into, but my audience loved it. Laughed out loud the entire time, was just having a ball with this film. Um, so I walked out and I knew I enjoyed it, but I was like, well, it's this very tragic kind of look at grief, depression, um, loss. And I was like, well, I don't know if the comedy, the two sides fully work. I was like, it definitely achieves something. I'm not sure what that is though. And after, let's say, about a week to think about it, I think I truly do love this film. It is fun, but it works on that deeper emotional level. There's some genuinely, like, heart-wrenching scenes here. And I think, like, this film has such a delicate balance that it very messily achieves. But I think, like, it all works out really, really well. I don't know who to praise the most here. I don't know if it's Rebecca Hall, the filmmakers. I don't know what it is. But there's something about this film that was just like, yep, that's great. Uh, Paul, I know you also really like this one. So why don't we throw it over to you? Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to see it. And then Carson sees it. And I don't know how our wires got crossed, but I thought he was telling me it was so bad it's good. And so I was prepped like all right I'm gonna laugh he, I think he told me that the audience was laughing because it is legitimately funny at points but I was ready for a so bad it's good so I get to the theater sitting there uh and the movie's going and it never gets bad there's a point in the third act where I was like oh no I'm gonna have to tell Carson that I liked this movie he thinks it's so bad it's funny and then I find out at the end, it was like, oh no, he liked it. Um, he was just saying, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, well, it probably just... came across because I was so shook, I should say, because I really was like shook when I walked out of this movie. I was like, I don't, I've, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I, I, was, I went to a press screening and normally afterwards you give your quote to the woman. I walked past her because I was like, I couldn't say anything about it. So I feel like it was probably in that that it got misconstru misconstrued what I was like trying yeah. to say. Because I like voice memoed you a lot that night. I just remember like yeah. walking around, like pacing, like, holy shit, like I need to talk to Paul about this. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's so good. Um, Rebecca Hall is fantastic. It's mean, but there's also something like relatively hopeful in it. Uh, the metaphors are insane for this movie. Uh, like if you really start digging into it, I think they're logical, but ultimately I think it says that depressed people ruin non-depressed people's lives and maybe stay away from people with depression, um, <laughs> which is bleak, but um, like fits the storyline. Um, and I think like is like a legitimate thing that you can like discuss about like, you know, 
focusing on your own depression so much that you hurt other people and like um it's it's just so fun um yeah i i don't want to spoil much of it at all but it's it's not that scary it's more of a dark drama that has horror elements i don't know why this went to sundance honestly it feels like the wrong choice for that and i also don't know why it came out now you know uh, this is um we're recording on sunday so we already know it bombed this weekend and it got a c minus cinema score which it makes perfect sense but this should have come out last year when no one was watching shit um and don't put this between it just feels like somebody was like, I want this to fail because this it came is, out. They killed it. They shot it in the head. Yeah. That's all they did. They, yeah. Um, much like uh, Rebecca Hall's husband in this movie. Um, it feels like coming out between Don't Breathe 2, which is the sequel to a relatively well-known movie, and then Candyman, which is a movie like we've been like hyped up for for over a year. Uh, it's just a really poor choice. Um, and I think it's this is going to become one of those movies that uh, you hear about and then people are like, oh no, it's so good. And then you watch eventually. I think it will have a cult following. Um, I hope this has what The great. Empty Man got because The Empty Man also kind of had that thing and now it's getting re-praised and revalued. Granted, I think this is so much better than The Empty Man. But like, I do think when you look at the pandemic, what was the like victor of the pandemic, if you want to say cinematically, it was weird horror films from the drive-in to VOD. They did so good. And this movie is so crazy and it is so like well-made, but also fun and rewarding. Like this would have been perfect, perfect for a like pandemic VOD release. There's nothing really cinematically you need from it. I'm sure it would have done well in those uh, cities that were still open during the pandemic. Like, I think this really would have played wonderfully. So I think that's like a great point you're making. Though also to be fair, I said this back in like March or whatever, like uh, going into a quiet place and spiral. Like we have so many horror films that are backlogged and this genre just is not one built to survive and last that and like to support having so many films back to back. Um, I totally get why people hate this. Very similar to Annette. Like, it is weird. Um, it's very off-putting if you don't know what you're expecting, I think, at times. Um, but, like, I, I do agree with you that it, like, genuinely kills me that no one's going to talk about this film in a week. Like, this is so good and so wild and so interesting thematically in execution. Like, you want to talk about a film that makes choices, that goes there, this film is one of those. Like, I really, like, cannot stress enough to audiences, like, this film is, like, this film, and, you know, it's ironic because it played at Fantasia, actually, in person. This is, like, what I expect from Fantasia. Like, in the highest level, this feels like that, where it's just, like, inspired horror that has quality but is also fun, that is kind of feels new and fresh for a genre that doesn't often feel that way. Um, I really can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think um, I think you can't overstate how funny it is. Um, and it's supposed to be funny. Um, that is the biggest shock of the movie because you think it might be bad because it's so dark. And then the humor is so good um, that you're like, oh, is this 
a bad film and I could feel my audience trying to figure it out. And once we all got on the same wavelength, it was like, oh yeah, we're really enjoying it. My friend didn't like it, who I saw it with, and I totally understood him. I think it's, he's wrong, but I, I do get like, it's an acquired taste movie. I also think like it's third act chooses drama over horror, which will surprise a lot of people. I will say quickly, the one thing I especially didn't get though coming out of Sundance reading a bunch of their reviews was the comparisons between this and the invisible man outside of certain scenes and how they build tension. I think that is like one of the most reductive and bad pieces of film criticism I've seen this year. Like do not go in expecting the invisible man. Cause it's just like, it's not the invisible man really at all. Yeah, no, at least for me. No, I think it's more that people, you know, uh, I think they see the woman dealing with recent trauma and then go, it's like the invisible man, which this is leaps and bounds better than the invisible man to me. Um, I found the invisible man very boring and predictable. And this, I had no clue where anything was going. Um, also, Rebecca Hall is so good. She's just like, she really just <laughs> is killing it. Um, so yeah, I just want her to, want the best for Rebecca Hall. Agreed. Well, with that, we've mentioned Fantasia. Why don't we get into our few Fantasia reviews this episode? I don't think this needs to go super in-depth or anything. But Paul, we've delayed this for two weeks now. I want you to go. You're the only one who's seen this, but you want to talk about Bull. Why don't you just quickly like give the rundown? What is good about Bull? Because I know you like this movie, and they've been annoying with screeners, not going to lie. So we haven't been able to see it, me and Alina, but I know you liked yeah. it. Yeah, um, so Bull is basically Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, um, where it's a character who was treated poorly by uh, his former friends, goes to seek revenge, and I'm not one for brutal movies. I'm sure if you've listened to more than a couple episodes, you know that I don't like things like Spiral. I refuse to watch it. Um, I'm still iffy on Candyman. There's like movies that I don't like because i know they're gonna be brutal this is so brutal but it is so good um the there's an underlying thing in this where everyone has been so terrible and you don't specifically know what happened but you feel it in how they're responding to things and how they um are responding to bull specifically who is the avenging angel in all this um that it's just when they get their comeuppance, I'm like, yeah, you deserved it. And it's so interesting because I go along with this full-on maniac. Some of the kill scenes in these, this is like the most brutal I've seen in movies in a while. Um, but it's just fun. And um, I think much like The Night House, the ending will split people on whether they think it's good or not. Um but I loved it. I think it makes perfect sense. And it's just really great. Uh, like, I really want to rewatch it. I'm sad that the, uh, apparently uh, you guys weren't able to get it because it's so much fun. Um, and I think you both would really like it. Good to hear. Uh, with that, let's turn over to Alina. Because Alina, I, your recommendation, well, your recommendation for what we should watch for Fantasia this week um, was Glass House. And this was a quite an interesting watch. Um, do you want to talk about Glass House? Yeah. 
Um, so I watched this one on like August third, but like I think it was my tenth ish movie of the festival, and I've watched like twenty ish now. But like it has, it's definitely my favorite movie out of Fantasia for so far, and I wasn't expecting like a lot from it. Um, but like it really blew me away because I'm not super into like dystopian stuff, but this film like is a dystopian film and I feel like it just works so well and like the little world that they build I just found it like so interesting it's about this like family um of like four children and their mother that live in like literally this like glass greenhouse and like this dystopian world and there's this um like chemical cloud disease thing called the shred and like if you're exposed to it it makes you like forget stuff so it's kind of like airborne dementia or whatever so like they stay in this like glass house and they like harvest their own plants and whatever and like garden so like they get like their air cycled from like the plants so like they don't get affected by the shred and like I just thought it was really cool like world building especially I really liked the wardrobe because like it's kind of like futury and then also kind of like past at the same time I had like a really good juxtaposition I loved the story I thought all the actors were great like I don't know like I just really liked this movie to the point where I'm gonna try and rewatch it again before Fantasia ends if it like hasn't expired on the screener platform because like it was it was really freaking impressive yeah, I agree. Um, I like this one quite a bit. It reminded me a lot in some ways of The Others, uh, the 2001 horror film that actually we just did an Uncut Gems podcast for that I'd recommend you uh, check out. But like, it, it has a fun concept. I think the visuals really impressed me in this. There's definitely like budget limitations, but I think they overcome it in very clever and smart ways. I do think the story itself mm -hmm. with some twists and turns feel a bit too predictable. Um, but overall, I thought this was quite effective for like what it was going for. Um, and I definitely think it, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of buzz is being created for the film uh, within the festival, but I think it is like good. This definitely is one I feel like that is going to find a life on VOD or maybe like a small theatrical release sometime in the next year as we see a handful of Fantasia uh, picks uh, films like go and do. Um, so no, I was quite okay with this. I liked it quite a bit also. Well, and that is good to say because it is the last mm. week of Fantasia. Um, so just FYI, next week will be our last week of coverage. Um, so just be aware of that, I guess, if you're listening to this. Well, and that's actually going to be it for this episode of Clabbercast. We got through that pretty concisely, I thought. Some weird films. Let's end this off how we always do with our recommendations for the week. Uh, Paul, why don't you kick us off? Um. Okay, so... I'm going to uh, list some Rebecca Hall films that are fantastic. Um, depending on your view on whether or not art versus the artist, uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona by Woody Allen. Um, she is fantastic in, and I think is a really interesting movie. Um, if it was done by someone else, I think it would be the millennial movie. Um, Cause it really is about like our generation dealing with, um, whether or not we're going to like have experiences or try to like settle down a little bit, but she is so good in it. But if you're not feeling that also please give by Nicole Hall of center. Um, Rebecca Hall is so good in that. And it's a really dark movie. It's similar to all actually, uh, the white Lotus. I should have said it on the white Lotus episode, actually. 
about like white rich guilt and like dealing with that and trying to be a better person while not wanting to give up the privileges that like you know are near impossible to give up especially with wealth um it's a really fascinating movie and i think it really treats like you know uh, the rich in a really unique way. Uh, Rebecca Hall is fantastic, and it's one of my favorite movies. Um, so yeah, the, the the that'll be my two recommendations. Good to hear. And the ultimate betrayal not recommending Mystery Science Theater after you said you would. Tragic. Um, oh well, no, okay, you said it. You said it. It's too late. <laughs> uh, next time we next time we have a really campy thing, um, I'll list Mystery Science. Mystery Science is always good. It just go watch mystery science, you know, like, I don't know if anyone's ever like actually sat down. Those are fantastic. And they created my entire humor. Um, Did you go see any of their live shows? Yeah, I go pretty regularly. I didn't, uh, no, not like that. I go and see them in the theater when they do like a live recording. Sure. I've never seen it. Uh, So (laughs) don't know the difference. Never watched an episode. No, never. Okay. I'm going to send you some episode links. um, Sounds good. Alina, what is your recommendation this week going to be? So my recommendation comes from me getting free Cineplex rentals this week. Um, Because, like, it's a thing where if you get, like, a combo, they'll give you a free, like, rental, which is really freaking rad. Um, Because, like, I I didn't know that was a thing because I don't buy, like, food at the movies. But, like, I've been going with my dad recently because I'm a piece of shit who can't drive. So he has to take me to the movie theater. It's very pathetic. Um, so I used said rental to watch Freaky. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before, but if we did, I wasn't on it, obviously, because I hadn't, hadn't seen it prior. But I had a good time with it. And I'm also like person, I don't really like horror movies, but I had a really fun time with this one because it wasn't like overly scary and it was more funny. And Vince Vaughn is having such a good time and I love him. So it's a great movie. I recommend it. It's not a funny, funny release. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, that's a movie that's getting a lot of attention, like it's slowly been building up. I didn't end up seeing it last year, but I know that one's like, similar to The Empty Man, it's really become kind of like a moment. So good. it's good to hear mm-hmm. from a reliable source that it is good, because um, those are hard to come by anymore. My recommendation this week is yeah. going to be, a, oh, go ahead. Do you have anything more to say? No, I was just agreeing with you. No, just Vince Vaughn, I love him. That's all. As does everyone. I mean, you gotta <laughs> love Vince Vaughn. Uh, my recommendation this week is going to be a documentary I finally caught up with on Disney+. Plus. Um, this premiered at Sundance. I wanted to see it. I didn't see it. Um, I've been lied to on two separate occasions about getting a screener for this one. Uh, but finally it dropped. Finally I caught up with it. It's called Playing with Sharks. Um, it is a documentary about a woman named Valerie Taylor who spent her entire career um, capturing sharks on film and swimming with sharks and focusing on saving sharks and shark uh, converse- conservation. Um, I think the documentary is quite good. It's definitely not like a masterpiece or anything. Um, but even if you are afraid of sharks, I think this really has the potential to change your mind of how you not just view sharks, but the conversation around sharks. It really deep dives into the damage of like jaws and such, and really kind of gives you like factual a factual backbone into the harm those those portrayals give sharks. Um, you know, I really was uh, I wouldn't say impressed because I expected to like it, but. I quite enjoyed it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, so if you're interested in sharks, you know, give it a watch. Uh, so that is going to be it for this episode of ClapperCast. Let's go around and say where we can find ourselves on social media. Alina, where can we find you? 
I am at Alina Falls on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd. Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss all things cinemas when new cinema, when new episodes drop every (laughs) single Wednesday. This like, I don't know why guys, this last 15 minutes have been fucking a struggle for me, but thank God it's over. See you next week. Goodbye.